Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go, where we're continuing our travels through Montana. When we visited Glacier National Park, we said, hey, since we're going to be in the state anyways, let's see some more things. So last episode, we talked about some time we spent in a place called Deer Lodge. And from there, we would hop in the car, drive one hour east, and ended up in the town of Helena, which once upon a time was actually called St. Helena. Today, just Helena. Helena is the state capital of Montana, and one of the biggest cities that they have now. It was established in 1864, and there was, as usual for a lot of these bigger cities, there was a gold rush. Somebody had discovered gold, and many people from the surrounding areas and beyond rushed in to try to claim their their stake in it also. And these, these created these towns, and some of them became ghost towns, and some of them stuck. And Helena stuck. It happens to be the sixth largest city in Montana, and it has a population of just under 29,000. So it seems to me sparsely populated, but it probably has to do with the climate of the area. So and we did a few things there, which were fun. And so one of the things that was interesting about the city of Helena is that there actually were quite a few things to select from. So where do you start? So our recommendation is to get a ride on the Last Chance Trolley Tour. So if you mm-hmm. don't know anything about Helena, if you've never been there before, this is a great way to get acclimated to what's in the city, to get a sense of what's where. And these tours leave just outside of the Montana Historical Society Museum, which is located next to the Capitol building. It'll only take you an hour, but you ride in this covered trolley contraption there's several cars Mm -hmm. hitched together the tour is narrated and the thing that i liked about this is because i didn't know anything about helena is we found ourselves taking this ride and there was several things pointed out to us that you and i then said hey that's something we're going to go check out later Mm -hmm. i think there's some things that we saw that we said okay because we only have a limited time here we're not going to do this thing or that other thing. So it was a way to, to adjust our itinerary mm-hmm. for the short time that we had there. Right. But it was also a great way to see those things that were fascinating to me, like some of those old historical homes where you, you weren't supposed to enter into it. I don't think there was tours of any of the homes that we passed by. But, you know, you got to see the outside of them, which was kind of cool because they were beautiful, beautiful homes. Yeah. And we got the story on several residences who lived there, you know, some some of the notable people in Montana history that were behind the building of those homes and inhabited those homes. Yeah. And it was a beautiful day. So, you know, beautiful, sunny, not cool, like a warm day. So it was perfect weather 
for that kind of trip. Yeah, so we got a little, you know, right through the city, as you mentioned, went through some of the residential neighborhoods, went through a place called Last Chance Gulch, which we'll talk about, the Walking Mall, Reader's Alley. We also learned on the tour that back in the day, Helena, because of that gold rush that you mentioned, became such a wealthy city that it ended up having almost 50 millionaires that inhabited the area in 1888. Mm -hmm. And to have that much money with that many people at that time, I, I think I recall him saying it was the wealthiest city in America for a while. Yeah, and that would explain all the huge Victorian homes that were built up on that historic hill. You go by and they would just name the families that owned these homes. Mm -hmm. And it was really very, very grand type of neighborhood in its day, I'm sure. Yeah. One of the things we learned as we were, I don't know if it's when we were getting on the tour or getting off the tour, but at least when we went there, you can get discount tickets for the museum from the trolley drivers. So yeah, if you wanna, we didn't know that at the time. Yeah, we actually did this kind of backwards. So if you want to yeah. go to the museum, that's another reason to go on the trolley first because you might be able to get a discount ticket. Yeah, you can get that discount ticket because we had gotten there a little bit early. We decided to kind of mosey into the museum and just check it out. And before we had uh, hopped onto the train, we decided we're going to come back to the museum and bought our tickets on spot. Yep, so we yep. had no idea that there was actual discount tickets. So into the museum, Montana Historical Society Museum. Thoroughly enjoyed this museum. It's not a huge museum. It does have three levels. We started in the main lobby where they had some artwork displayed right in the main lobby. And some of it was just so fascinating and it was beautiful. And some of them told stories of Montana. So it was a nice start to just kind of walk through this main lobby and we kind of went on the train tour and then came back and finished up the main lobby because we didn't have time to do the whole thing. We do take our time. Mm -hmm. We do read about the paintings as we go along. So it usually takes us a little bit longer to get through things. So that is just the beginning. It's just like scratching the surface of what is in this museum. So when you enter into the museum on the floor where the main lobby is, you'll find rooms with artwork in it. And I don't remember how many rooms there were, but we had entered into multiple rooms, three or four maybe, that had different kinds of artwork displayed. If you're interested in looking at the type of artwork that they have in this museum, you can always go to their website and take a look at what they have there. But we were going to go through the whole museum. They have so much art in their collection, they can only display so much. So they host a larger collection online, and you can see that at www.mtmemory.org. So th that would be a neat way to see examples of the collection that they have. They ha do have a bottom floor that has the Ice Age exhibit, and that would include Montana's geological history and other things throughout the whole span of this continent, really. I mean, it, it kind of includes all that. They have a Native American cultural section. There's archaeological exhibits, and they have information on Lewis and Clark, which is was of interest to me. The exhibits then continue with the cowboy culture, mining in the area, the railroads, the ranch life of Montana, which is expansive and huge, and there's much, much more. 
The third floor has the exhibit devoted to the military, and that was just one room, which was a smaller part of the exhibits, but it kind of tried to span across all the wars that we had in the U.S., mm-hmm. and it kind of included some others, too. Mm-hmm. I think it included some of the international wars that we were involved in. One of the things we enjoyed the most, I think, was in the rear on the first floor was the Mackey Gallery, which had the Charles Russell art. Yep. And we were already introduced to his artwork. So we were really excited to get into that room and take a look at that. And it has many exhibits that are dedicated to the works of Charles Russell, which is one of Montana's preeminent artists. He's all over. I mean, you just can't miss this name in Montana. He has paintings. He has sculptures. He has a, which we will get to, there's a painting in the Capitol that we'll talk about in a little bit. And he also has a bronze sculpture that stands in the White House to this very day. So he's a very, very well-known artist. And his life story is really interesting, too. Mm -hmm. So we spent quite a number of hours there. We figured that depending on you and how you like to view museums, you could be there for an hour, but you could spend as much as three hours there. Yep. It was yeah. very, I liked it. It was really, really well put out and interesting. Yeah, I did too. And I think like you, my favorite part was the Charles Russell exhibit. Yeah. It was really neat. Very neat. So when you're done with the museum, a short walk across the street, you'll end up at the Montana State Capitol. We were there, so we thought, hey, we'd go in. Plus, we heard about one particular thing inside that we wanted to go see. So there's been numerous state capitals that we Mm -hmm. visited on our travels. And so since we were here, we took um, a chance to kind of walk the corridors Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. building. Very interesting, just the entrance into the Capitol building. Different from what we're accustomed to. Very different from what we're accustomed to. Very casual. You there is no screening at all. I was very oh, surprised. There is was one security guard in the front who is probably looking for problems or anybody that might make a problem, but you did not get screened or get asked any questions whatsoever. You just entered in. And there are in this building House representatives that have offices in these buildings. So I thought it was really fascinating. I wonder if it's different when they're in session because there was nothing in session when we visited. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, you know, wandered around the various floors, saw what there was to see. But the main thing we wanted to see that we heard about was we wanted to get to the House of Representatives chamber where we heard that the largest mural that ever was painted by Charles Russell is hanging. But it turns out that when we got up there, the room was closed. Mm -hmm. It was locked. So we thought, shoot, you know, we came all this way. We're, you know, what are we going to have to do? Peek through the window? Yeah. And And there was other paintings in the... In the lobby. Lobby area just outside of the chamber. So we were kind of looking around and viewing those paintings. And there was a couple of other people there also. And that were visiting and viewing the paintings. And then suddenly... Somebody shows up to open the doors of the House of Representatives chamber. And uh, we were She just walked out. She worked there and she walked out and she just said, do you want to go in? Yep. We're like, yes. Of course. (laughs) So she opened the door. We went in. And a few things. So one is we did get to see the mural, and that was very impressive. Mm -hmm. There was something pointed out to us in the painting, 
and we think it was a wolf. And where the wolf was placed in the painting was right behind, I think, where the... um, Speaker is. You have the speaker's chair, and then right over the speaker's chair on this mural, which was, was huge, is a wolf in a crouched position. So, and that the story that I think I remember was that it was a reminder to the speaker to always be aware, be diligent, be, you know, because there's this wolf here yeah. watching you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so there's some hidden messages in yeah. the mural. We may not have it hundred percent right, but there is something there. And it was also just impressive to see the house chamber itself. So if you're planning to go to the Capitol, based on our experience, I would check in advance to find out if you're going to be able to get into the house chamber, because that's probably the most interesting room that you're going to visit at the Capitol. She did say that they wanted to return back to the tours, but because of COVID, there was an issue. There you go. And they only do the tours in the summer, I believe. I think it's just something that they do for visitors that come in the summertime. And otherwise, you know, you're just, they're expending manpower in the winter when you don't get as many visitors. Yeah, could be. Yeah. So you had mentioned that there was also a display of paintings in the lobby just outside the chamber. Mm -hmm. So when we looked at those, there was some information we came across that explained each of the paintings. So that kind of helped us understand what we were looking at. So we would recommend getting that aid. The other thing we heard about on the tour, on the trolley tour, is they said that when you're on the upper floor of the state capitol, if you look through the window, I think it's looking north, you would get a view of this mountain and the way the mountain is shaped. It's called the Nose of the Sleeping Giant Mountain. I think the the mountain's actual name is Bear Mountain, but it kind of looks like a giant is sleeping we on, saw on this mountain. We did we see, see it. it. Yeah, yeah, you could see it. It looks like a, a giant that's on its back sleeping. Yeah, so be sure you look out the window and look for the sleeping giant. And then I also learned one little factoid about the Montana State Capitol, which is that at the time of its construction, it was the first capital in the United States to be wired for electricity. So we recommend considering the capital on your itinerary when you're in Helena. Another place we visited was the Cathedral of St. Helena. For us, churches are always of interest to us, particularly the Catholic churches. So we kind of make an effort to see especially cathedrals that are in the area. And it was stunning. It was so beautiful. And I, and on our tour, I remember on our little trolley tour, the narrator really played up the church and says, I mean, if you can go see these stained glass windows, he's very, very impressed with the stained glass windows. And it was beautiful on the outside, but it was absolutely stunning on the inside. You can't miss this architectural wonder. It's in the heart of the city and it has these spires that extend up in the sky I believe, 230 feet above the street level. It's a neo-Gothic design, which puts it very out of place with the town itself because you're, you know, you're talking about a town that was founded with cowboy history to it. So it does look a bit out of place. And it's modeled after the famous votive church of the Sacred Heart in Vienna, Austria. As I mentioned, there's this stained glass that you can see from the outside But if you really want to view the stained glass, go to the inside when the sun is shining through. It is stunning. It is gorgeous. It was made in Europe with uh, various panels depicting the Bible scenes. There are 59 windows and they're all handcrafted 
in Bavaria, and then they were shipped to Montana, which is a is incredible. Mm-hmm. Also inside, there are high vaulted ceilings and hand-carved pews, I believe, that are original to the church. It's a really nice place to just come and spend some time. It's quiet. There is an organ, which always interests you in particular. A pipe organ. Yes. With a, real pipes. A real pipe organ. And I had kind of, we were wandering around and we were looking and enjoying the church. And I saw a, I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was a deacon or he was just somebody that was working for the church, but he was preparing the altar for something. And he walked by me and I asked him about the organ. I don't even remember what I said. I just asked him about the organ and he just immediately started giving me a little bit of history on the organ and um, the pipes, he, and he seemed like he was well-versed in organs, and, and he brought me up on the altar to the organ, and at that point, I'm trying to get your eye, and you finally see me, and I'm like, get over here, get over here, get over here, and so you came up, and you started to... Uh, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, so, and I did mention to this gentleman that you were an organist. Next thing I know... This man is saying, hey, I was given permission if somebody's an organist that they can play the organ. That never happens. Shocking. It yep. was shocking. Yep. And well, of course, espe- you, were like, you were like, y- yes, please. Yeah, yeah, especially at a church like that with an organ like that. Yeah, um, yeah. To be able to get an invitation to sit on the organ bench and take it for a ride is a very unusual circumstance. Very unusual. Yeah. And... Very difficult to do when you're asked to impromptu play and you you have no music in front of you. So you just were kind of pulling from your memory something you could play. No, I just made it up on the spot is what I did. That's what I do. Well, yeah, you didn't play from actual music. No. Well, you, you did play a song. You just... Well... Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with organs, one one nuance about especially like a pipe organ that I believe is different from just about any other instrument is from one to another, they're not the same. So, you know, if you give one person a violin and they pick up a violin in Hungary, it's got four strings. It's about the same length. It feels, you know, the same. Same thing, same thing with a piano. I can sit down in a piano in New York, I could sit down at a piano in Warsaw, Poland. It's going to be the same 88 keys, whatever. You sit in behind an organ, the amount of keyboards that you have are going to be different. The amount of what, what are called the stops, the, uh, the controls for the different pipes. Almost every organ that's in a church is different. So you never know like which buttons are where which stops are where so there's this quick you have to get acclimated to it almost looks like um i I think to some people so like if i wasn't an organ player the way i look at an airplane like a 747 cockpit there's all these buttons all over the place have i mean it just looks like the how on earth can anybody know like where everything is but since this is one of the things that i do it's common territory for me but Back to this thing, you know, I got the invitation, so I sat down, and just out of the air, there's um, a hymn tune called Veni Creator Spiritus that just started to come out of my fingers, and then I improvised around that. And if you haven't had the chance to hear 
a pipe organ in this kind of a setting where you've just got the air rushing through these massive pipes and that air is circulating in this massive building and it's reverberating across everything. It's the kind of sound that listening to an organ recorded on a compact disc or what have you, it just doesn't do it justice. It's a different experience. And to be able to play an instrument like that, it was a phenomenal instrument. Yeah. And, and I had, you gave me the camera and said film it. And of course I was going to do that anyway. So I had my iPhone, I had your iPhone, and I wanted to go and away from the pipes and go to the front of the church actually and get that sound that was coming from the pipes. And there was some people there and there were some kids making some noise. So, you know, we had that a little bit of a distraction, but it wasn't bad. And the people that were there were really enjoying it. But as I'm pulling back and I'm trying to hear this sound and knowing that it was coming from your fingers and you were playing it, there was this emotional response from me. And I stopped and I just wanted to take it in. And you finished and then I, you know, we getting ready to leave and we walked up and I asked, asked you about it and I was really surprised by your response because it was your, your response was just, you were like a kid in a candy shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, it was wonderful. The whole thing was just wonderful. So we begin to leave, and the next thing I know is, and you had told me, oh, yeah. to hold on to my camera. Don't, just hold on to it. And we're walking out, and you're like, where's my camera? Where are my iPhone? Where is it? Because it was on it was on a tripod it was my It was my new iPhone 12, yeah, it was brand Julie. new. And I'm like... And it had all of the video I shot in Glacier and National Park. Everything. Yeah. Everything on it. And I had no clue where I put it down. I knew I put it down. And I just remember sitting on the steps on the, on the outside of the church. And I was about ready to just blubber into a puddle of tears. The panic button oh set in. Oh, my gosh. And then that wonderful gentleman comes running out. And he says, is this yours? And he had it in his hand. So it was like, oh, relief. But, and then ever since then, you really never give me your phone. You have, but you watch me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm glad you videotaped that. And somewhere down the road in the coming weeks, once we get on the YouTube channel to posting the clips from the Montana trip, which may start as early as next week, when we get to the Helena part of our trip, we'll post that. Good. So Good. later this fall, yeah. we'll have that on there. So just a few things on the cathedral. The construction began in 1908. After six years, the community got to celebrate their first mass for the first time in the new church on November 8, 1914. Though there were some finishing touches that weren't on the building yet until a decade later in June 1924. So this was quite an endeavor. There was a series of earthquakes that hit Montana in 1935, and sections of the church were almost completely destroyed. There have been several additional reconstruction efforts over the years, including work on the stained glass windows and its columns.
Next on our list, we would end up at a place called Last Chance Gulch, which is one of the places we heard about on the trolley tour. And this is an area that back in 1864, there was four miners who uh, had not had success mining, and they ended up giving a one last chance to find their fortune in this area. And they staked their claim. They named the place Last Chance Gulch. And it turned out that they were able to actually find a significant amount of gold in the area. And to their great fortune, the Last Chance Gulch would eventually become the second largest placer gold deposit in the whole state of Montana. And it turns out that their last chance turned out to be an incredible winner. It ended up supplying more than $19 million in gold over four short years. And that's $19 million in 1860s money. If you extrapolate that to today's money, they estimate that the value of that gold would have been worth about $30 billion with a B dollars. So massive amount. Once they found that, next thing you know, thousands of other eager miners would descend upon the town of Helena, seeking to make their fortunes. Today, Last Chance Gulch is an area that carries its name, but it's really a street of stores. So if you like to window shop, it's an area where you can do that, or you can actually go into some stores and buy stuff. We probably spend most of our time when we walk down the street just reading the historic placards mm-hmm. that were on some mm-hmm. of the outside of the, the buildings. So we got a, a taste of that history walking down the street. It's only a, a couple of blocks, I yeah. think two, three yeah, blocks, something like sure. that. Yeah. We also were aware of a place called Reader's Alley while we were taking the Last Chance Trolley Tours where there is a pioneer cabin and we stopped and peeked at this cabin that has plexiglass where you can view the inside. So you can't actually step in, but you can view the inside of this cabin. It was just before you entered into Reader's Alley and it was built in 1864 and it's one of the oldest cabins in the state. It's a nice example of the kind of quarters that the gold miners would have had when they lived back in the day. We sauntered up to uh, Reader's Alley later that evening, and it was interesting. It was a very short uphill walk that had cobblestone in the streets. So it was an interesting little walk. There's lots of placards. So we took our time walking up and we read the placards of the historical sites on this street and to understand a little bit of what this, the history in this location was like. So if you have some time and you, and you want to take a walk up this reader's alley, it was very interesting. I enjoyed it. I liked that old time feel to it. It had working stores in it. So there's um, shops and things you can, it even had a barbershop. So it was still a working place. There were still businesses that were, were there, mm-hmm. but it still had that incredible historic feeling to it. So that, that was fun. I enjoyed yeah. that too. Yeah. We had one full day and an evening before in Helena. And we'll talk about the, where we stayed hmm. for a couple of nights. And we ended up in the town of Helena getting a bed and breakfast. And this was the Carolina bed and breakfast. So this was located in the historic district and right across the street from the governor's mansion. Just a really wonderful B&B, kind of that Victorian style, very old style, probably late 1800s construction, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Very clean room. The decor throughout this place was very, how would you describe it? Eclectic. 
eclectic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's lots of stuff mm-hmm. everywhere. The whole everywhere. downstairs, even in our room, just so much stuff to keep your eyes busy. It was trying to stay in and more of an antique type of theme. Yep. But there was lots of things that stepped out of that genre. So yeah. it, was, it was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So outside, there were several patio areas where you could spend time sitting and just enjoying the outside. There was mm-hmm. a, a covered kind of fireplace area outside. Yeah. Inside the downstairs, there was this main gathering room where breakfast is served in the morning, some other places to sit. And in our room, we had a large, comfortable king-size bed chairs desk the room was finely decorated a very nice sized bathroom with it with a shower it's a victorian home that's listed on the national register of historic places we had the anisette room upstairs in black and gold wallpaper fireplace in there too the host and i don't remember her name but she was very friendly we had several conversations with her Mm -hmm. and um We probably spent most of our time with her at breakfast in the morning. Right, yeah. Yeah, so very much enjoyed that stay Mm -hmm. and uh, would recommend the Carolina Bed and Breakfast if you're looking for a place to uh, spend a few nights in Helena. Let's go to the foodie corner. That's one of my favorite. We uh, had a dinner at Benny's Bistro, which was uh, recommended by our host of the Bed and Breakfast. And it was one of the best dinners that we had in Montana. Yeah, I think the best. It, it was yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. No, it was very good. There was an elegance about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the presentation was chef-like. It was just, it was nice. They really made an effort and it tasted, you know, it had an upper level to it. It just, it kind of pushed the level up from pizza or burgers or yep. whatever. They really tried to make it tasty, but great presentations. And they had some great vegetarian choices too. We decided to walk from our bed and breakfast, and it was only about four blocks, and there was a small dining room, and but the tables were full, people were coming in, and you had to have advanced reservations to get in, because I have a feeling this place is popular. We had the grilled polenta toast starter, which was super unique and done very, very well. The egg was poached, and it was like perfectly poached. Then we had our main meal, which included, for both of us, the tomato rosemary soup made from scratch. I love rosemary, so it was really, really tasty. And then we had the vegan burger bowl, and you had the deli-style curry, um, deli meaning from Delhi, India. Yep. And they were both excellent. They were very good. So I think for both of us, that was probably one of the best meals that we had mm-hmm. in, uh, in that area. And the service was awesome. And then we decided uh, we were going to go for beer. Uh, we love breweries and we love beer. So that's always something we like to try out. There are so many breweries in Montana. There is so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the 10 Mile Creek Brewing Company, which was also within walking distance. And we stopped there for a beer after our dinner. And there was lots and lots of people. Very popular place. Very party-like atmosphere. People were happy, having fun. Yeah, and they had seating both inside the brewery as well as seats scattered outside, even spilling into kind of like this main... Walking area. Yeah. 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 It was kind of close to car traffic, so it kind of made it 
amenable to just kind of spreading out in this wide open space. Yeah, yeah. So it was, the beer was okay. Mm -hmm. We had the oatmeal stout. We tend to like the darker beers, so we picked that. It was a little bit sweeter than the normal beer that people drink. You know, it's, it has a sweetness to it. Yeah, more than, I guess, what we're used to. Yeah, you know, yeah. With that kind of beer. Yeah. There was a band that showed up and started setting up. They were a bluegrass band, and they're usually there on Friday evenings, I guess. And as they were setting up, we set up some uh, chairs, and we sat and waited for them to start. And the most interesting thing is as we were sitting there, I'm looking at one of the vocalists, I keep looking at him. I'm like, that guy looks familiar. And I looked. I finally remembered. It was the guy that narrated our trolley tour. Mm-hmm. So that was funny. And I don't know if he recognizes because he probably saw a ton of people that day. But yeah. I thought that was funny. But it was nice to just set up a chair and sit up on the outside. They had chairs, these little folding chairs available. So we went in and we grabbed a couple chairs and we just set it out in that sidewalk area uh, right in front of the band. And we had fun listening to them. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And still coming off this year where the opportunity to hear live music has been so rare and so yeah. minimal that anytime there's a chance to hear people play music in person, it's just a treat. Yeah. So that was nice. So again, we had like a day and a half in Helena. I think you know we were able to do quite a bit in the time that we were there. If we had more time, what I would have liked to have seen was right across the street from our bed and breakfast is to go into the governor's mansion. Yeah. Um, now, that, this is the historic governor's mansion. Yes. It's not in use right now by the governor. Not the current governor. Yeah. The old once upon a time governor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was another place pointed out to us called the Montana Club, which back in the day, you could only get into if you were a millionaire and if you were a man. Today, I believe it's an actual restaurant that anybody can go into, but there's a lot of history connected right. to the Montana Club. So that could have been interesting to go into as well. So that's our uh, experience in Helena. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do this best part of the show, I think. The fun facts. Did you know that you can get a DUI in Montana for riding your horse under the influence of alcohol? Yeah, I think Montana has quite a number of like these ancient type of laws that are still on the books that are like that one. I wonder if they actually enforce that. Well, (laughs) I guess there's one way to find out. Okay. Yeah. Another one is that it may or may not surprise you to learn that Montana has one of the highest concentrations of millionaires living in the state, considering that Montana was essentially founded by the gold rush. By the end of the 19th century, Helena, Montana had more millionaires than any other city in the entire world, not just the United States. So um, there you go. Some fun things about Helena. My top tip, again, is if you go there, start with the trolley tour. It's a great way to get acclimated to the city. And if you want some more things to do after a trip to Glacier National Park, visiting Helena could be one of the things that you add to an extended Montana itinerary. So thank you for joining us. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to hit the subscribe button in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source of podcasts and catch our future episodes. We would really appreciate if you left us a review. And don't forget, we also have a YouTube channel, The Places Where We Go, where we have just finished posting videos from a trip we took this summer to Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park. Coming up on the weekend will be 
I believe, footage from our recent trip to Lake Kachuma Recreation Area in California. And um, hopefully after that, we'll start getting into the Montana experiences that we've been talking about, and we'll be sharing the video that we shot there. So that's uh, coming up really soon. Thanks for joining us on The Places Where We Go. Bye. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.